This is week two of our sermon series, Accepting the Call. This is going to be going on for several weeks, and we're just so grateful that God saw fit to call us to assemble ourselves together here today. And I believe that there's a calling of God upon every life sitting in this room. That none of us are exempt. Person sitting here today. And as his presence is chasing you in this place today, know that he will never, ever stop pursuing your life and to call it into existence in a line with his word. He wants your life to align with scripture. And he's calling you today to walk in obedience to him because his ways are better than ours. And if you've ever experienced what I'm talking about, you can testify to that and a good healthy amen in this place today saying God's way is a lot better than what I was doing on my own. Amen. When I was walking in sin and living in sin, and the Bible does say that there's pleasure there for a season, and I had fun sinning, but I never knew the joy of God and the peace of God until I surrendered my life to Him. And there's so many sitting in here today that I've watched your lives transition from a life of chaos into a life of peace. And it's a peace that passes understanding that sometimes we can't even understand. Wow, how did God bring me that far that fast? Amen. So as we're looking at this answering the call of God, there's multiple facets to the call of God. That First of all, and foremost, I believe that he calls us to salvation. He calls us to repentance. To repent of our sins and ask him to forgive us for what we've done wrong. And in an instant, transition us into being a child of God. So the first call that you will receive in your life, if you've never felt the unction or the call of God into salvation, maybe today is your day. I hope and pray that it is. I've listened to multiple preachers at different points and different times, and just this past week I was listening to a radio station and a, a person was call, talking about the calling of repentance and how that they grew up in a church and lived their whole life in a church. Their parents took them. They understand and understood who Jesus was. They could quote you the stories of the Bible, whether it be Noah or Moses or Adam and Eve or all these important figures, David and Goliath and all the stories of the Bible. He, he knew those stories. But he talked about how that in knowing all those things was not salvation. But he met the man Jesus that came and sat down in the car with him one day when he was driving down the road and he didn't even know that Jesus was getting ready to call him to salvation. But he had experienced church, but he had never experienced God. And those are two total different things. And I love it that we get to experience church. There is something too sitting here and assembling ourselves together and lifting our hands and worshiping God in spirit and in truth. There's something too feeling that. But I want to experience Jesus in a real and tangible way. That it's a life experience of where he called me 
to salvation and salvation in a way that transformed my life, that changed me from who I was to who I'm to become. So I hope and pray that we get there today. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've heard the Bible stories. Maybe you attended church quite a bit in your life, but you're looking for an experience. I hope and pray today you'll find that in this place. Shannon's testimony just a couple of months ago here at the bridge was that he had attended church. He had understood the Bible stories. He had looked into things, but when he got here and he come in and he experienced God in a real way that moved him from a place of just believing but into a place of accepting, a place of transition. And I thank God for him and his willingness to come up to me and say, you know, I haven't been here that long, but I would like to say something next week to the body here at the church. And not a dry eye was left in the place because you felt what he spoke. You could sense that it was real. That it was an experience that he had experienced and it wasn't just words, but that the Spirit of God was transitioning his life. And in just a few short months, he's come to this place of not only knowing God and experiencing God and, and praying and allowing his kids to experience what he's experiencing. But he's serving in the church and he's coming with all these ideas and he's saying, Pastor, why don't we do coffee out front? Amen. Thank God for coffee. Can somebody say amen? I drank a cup myself this morning. I already had one before I left the house, but I can handle another one. So he's going to do that. So from now on, whenever you come in, make sure that you come prepared to drink another cup of coffee because we don't need it to go to waste. He gets here early and he goes out and he sets up the signs by the road and he's attempting to create an atmosphere where people feel invited here at the bridge. And I want them to feel invited spiritually by the call of God but I want them to feel welcomed with friendship and with people saying, I'm ready to experience life with you together, whether it be through connection groups or different things that we offer here at the bridge. The call of God transitions us. The Bible says, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's in Romans chapter 12. That means think differently. How many would like to think differently? Because how many of us battle these wheels rolling around on the inside of here that tells us negative things, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy to tell us you're not good enough? Don't walk up to that preacher and ask if you can say something next week. Don't offer your service to the body. Don't come in early. Don't come in and give coffee. Don't come in and set up signs. Don't come in and carry things in and get on the team to help. You're not good enough. Amen? 
That's what the enemy wants you to believe. The enemy wants you to believe, no, I shouldn't through the week call somebody that I've missed for a couple weeks and tell them, hey, I've missed you at church. That's a phone call a lot of people need to make and a phone call that a lot of people need to receive. Amen. So I'm encouraging you today as the calling of God to do some calling. There's some people that we haven't seen for a while. I thank God for Sister Joanne here today. She called us a few weeks ago and said, Hey, pastors, can you come down to my house and, and sit with me for a minute? Me and Leslie were sitting there, and we didn't have anything to do that evening. We're usually pretty busy, and it just so happened that she called at the right moment, and we said, Sure, we'll be down in a minute. And there's so much joy to going and sitting in somebody's home and just experiencing life together. We all should do those things. It's not just the pastor's job or responsibility. It's all of our responsibilities. And multiple people, I've seen Betty and Mom, and I've seen Stephanie and, and the kids, the girls, go and, and take Sister Joe and stuff, and it's, it's not just us. There's calls that we need to make. Are we listening to what God is calling us to do? So this is week two, and on this screen, last week we talked about the first step up there was remind me and how that we're so busy and in the midst of things going on that we just, we just hit that real quick so that we make sure and be reminded to call somebody back because we're really declining the call, aren't we? And we hit remind me so that I know that that call, that I can call back later because my mind is so muddled with so much things going on, so busy that I don't even have time or the capability in my mind to remember to call somebody back. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. Maybe all of you just have more time than you have, and you're just waiting on the ability to remind yourself. How many remember seems broken? My remember, is that a word, Amy? That sounds like a good word, don't it? My rememberer is broken. I guess you could say reminder, but I like rememberer better. But this week I want to talk about the next one is message. And this is something that's a little more personal than just remind me. Because as you let their call go on forever, how many seconds it is, and you hit remind me, and you put it on your calendar or your task to call back later, Actually, that person doesn't know really what's going on. You haven't responded back. You're just going to remember to call them back. But I want us to look at the next thing over, which is message, which is a text, which is communication. So it isn't that I just want to be reminded, but now I'm going to text message you and explain to you why I can't take your call right now. And I believe this is a pretty good function in life. Because when they're trying to call you, they probably want something, or they probably need something, or they probably want to explain something to you. The call is important to them, or they wouldn't have called you. So when we hit text or message back, we're actually being cordial and explaining, I can't talk right now, I'm in a meeting. You ever been in a meeting with a group of people and something really important and things are going on? And the business of life we're in today, and we've got these cell phones, and we've got these things that make convenience, 
possible in our life? Have you ever been in a meeting where somebody will answer their phone in the middle of a meeting and talk real loud while there's other things going on? How many knows that's just rude? Amen? If you're in a meeting and it's something important and you've set aside a, a, a segment of time to go and sit in this meeting, we should be attentive to what's going on in the meeting. But there is a good function on our phone that if we are receiving a call, please have it on silent mode. You still hear it on the table. Everybody will lay their phone on the table. You know. But you can hit this message and send them a message. Say, I'm in a meeting. I'll call you back shortly. So as I thought about that term and that in the natural world, as we said last week, in the spiritual world, do we ever tell that to God? We come in and we sit down in a church service and worship goes really well and we experience God and we just are attentive to what's going on and we can sense and know that he's speaking to us and he's calling us and we can, we can know in our heart that, wow, he's, he's speaking to me in this moment and an altar call maybe comes and, and, and you feel the call of God and it feels like, man... Pastor's preaching here, or, or Dusty's preaching, or, or, or Jennifer's preaching, or somebody's preaching, and, and I can feel the call of God. But in the midst of that, we're so busy in the moment of what we're doing that we're basically just messaging God back and saying, I'm busy right now. I'll get to this later. How many's ever left a church service that way? Any true speakers in the house? I have. I want to accept the call of God, but I just don't have time right now. The Bible is very clear that the point of the man wants to die, and after that, the judgment, that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Jesus even told in the Sermon on the Mount to take no thought about what you're going to do tomorrow, what you're going to eat, or what you're going to wear tomorrow. That every day, God supplies sufficient for today. What that means to be is in tune with what's going on today because today is all we have. It's so sad whenever we know that God has called us to maybe call somebody or talk to somebody or explain something to somebody and then the next thing you know we just got too busy and we didn't have time and, and we just allowed it to go on and we're sending that message back to God saying I'll get to that later, I'll, I'll, I'll pick that up, I'll, I won't let you down God, I, I will get to it. Only to find out that maybe that person has slipped into eternity and we never took the chance. The important conversations that we needed to have with them. Family is too important to not let those that you love know that you love them. I encourage you in this place today to Call upon those that you love and explain to them. Don't wait until it's too late. We talked last week about Ephesians chapter 4 and how that there are callings of God and how that God is asking us and calling us. And it never ends.
So basically, this second function that I'm talking about is us saying this to God in our spiritual call. What I'm doing is more important than what you want me to do. What I'm doing is more important than what you want me to do. What if the call of God that was on Jesus' life to go to Jerusalem, that last and final journey? We know the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, and we know the story of Jesus riding on the donkey through town, and people saying, Hosanna, glory to God, and they worshipped him. What if he got to that night in the Garden of Gethsemane and he just broke down and said, you know what, I've been with these disciples for three and a half years. I've attempted to really help them out and, and I know, God, you're calling me to go and to give my life. I know, Father, you're asking me to do that, but I'd rather just stay here a little bit longer and I want to do it my way. What if he wouldn't have accepted the call And surrender, as Leslie's song said a minute ago, all I have is yours. It says as Jesus was praying in that garden of Gethsemane that his sweat become drops of blood, that there was so much anguish and so much, just in his physical body, so much was going on that his sweat became blood. It was a traumatic experience that he knew was getting ready to take place, but it didn't take him back and where that he would say, what I'm doing is more important than what you're calling me to do. He stepped out into the unknown and said, I'm willing to go where you asked me to go. I'm willing to do what you asked me to do. God calls each of us to different things, such as relationships, to I believe he calls us to jobs, to ministries. I believe that he calls people to certain cities or regions or countries as our missionaries go. And he does that at different times in our life that sometimes things shift or change and his calling was for seasons. We've seen that in our missionaries here at church that we've had missionaries that went to the Philippines and later on that as they were there and they felt like the calling of God was lifted off their shoulders, the burden was gone and they transitioned to go to another country in another region. God's call is specific. Sometimes he calls us to start doing some things and sometimes he calls us to stop doing some things sometimes he calls us to go and sometimes he calls us to stay and I was thinking about those words that whether we go or whether we stay at one point Jesus when he come back and rose from the dead and the grave was opened and he was, went throughout and was uh, talking to those around him. And he, he told his disciples, you know, to tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power on high. He told them to stay. 
then he tells them to go. Go into Jerusalem, into Judea, into Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the earth. He tells them to stay. He tells them to go. And sometimes those things sound contrary to one another, but whenever we get in the perfect will of God, we'll see that when we stay is a season that he has us in. Maybe he's asking some people in this room to just stand still and see the salvation of God. Just hold fast to where you are and just stay there. Be, be content with what you have. Because in those moments of where his peace that passes understanding in the stillness of where we just surrender our life to him and we sit still for a minute and see God move. It's a season for him to prepare you for where you're getting ready to go. Those disciples that were told to stay in Jerusalem until they'd be endued with power from on high just a few days later walked out from a room where they were scared and locked into a little room in the upper room that we know about. Don't we, Rick? We're locked into a room and it seems like we're confined and we're scared of what's going on in the world around us. And then all of a sudden this man named Peter that was scared to even admit that he was a disciple of Jesus walks out into the middle of the street, it says, and he says, what? Did you not see this day coming? This is prophesied though by the prophet Joel that your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Upon my handmaidens I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He decrees the thing in the open street where he was scared just a few days before. Sometimes he tells us to wait so we'll be prepared to go. So now and not all of us are on the same journey. Not all of us are on the same path. Not all of us have the same calling. But I'm here to tell you today that I know that God is specific to you as an individual. And he cares about you as an individual. Sure, he loves the Pope. And sure, the Pope has an important position. But he cares just much for the lowliest of the lowly in the Catholic Church. There's some people living in the slums in India today that knows of the goodness of God because of somebody like Mother Teresa. So the calling of God sometimes is different and it, it looks different. But he is in and through all of it. There's no big I and little you in the kingdom of God. There's God, and then there's us. There's no positions that's more important than any others here at our church. Whether it's the person helping set up, or the person preaching, or the person singing, or the person making coffee, or the person cleaning the church throughout the week. We're all the same in God's kingdom. He calls us to do the work of the ministry. That's what we should do. There's a parable that Jesus once told that I want to read to you today. It's in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. I'm so grateful for the people that are watching online and, and the messages that we get back at the church. And as they message online, as they're watching online, and they encourage others, and every time you post or like or link... There's algorithms that takes place that exposes your friends and your friend list to what you're saying. 
So I encourage those that are watching online today to like, share, to encourage, to comment, and to bless those around us. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. He called people to come to the wedding feast. But verse 3 ends like this. It says, but they all refused to come. God gives us free will. He will not make us do anything. He did not make Adam and Eve do anything. We choose what we want to do or what is important. So this week I was thinking about during a sermon I was listening to online and they was talking about Genesis chapter 1 and how that God created everything and there was nothing under the heaven that he didn't create that he formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed the spirit into his nostrils and it says that he created them in his image he didn't create more angels he didn't create robots he created Adam and Eve human beings in his image he created the cattle. He created the birds in the air. He created all these things. And you can read through that Genesis account and see that God created a lot of different things. But there's one specific group that he touched with his own image. And as he created Adam and Eve, in the New Testament it says that we are also created in his image. God wants you to look and act like him. But as Adam and Eve were stationed in the Garden of Eden and they had everything perfect and God told them you can do everything here. He allowed Adam to name the animals. He allowed all this responsibility to be on Adam and, and all these things and encouraged him to go and, and, and replenish the earth and all these things. But as he did this, Adam and Eve were in the midst of the garden and one day the enemy was there, the devil, because he was cast out of heaven as lightning it says in Isaiah. So the enemy was present even in the garden of Eden. See we think about it as a place of perfection don't we and we've often said that, that garden of Eden was a place of perfection. If it was perfect why was the devil there? You ever think of that? But here the devil, and it says he's more cunning than all 
things there. So the devil comes in, and as Adam and Eve are walking by one day, and they were together, and they were walking throughout the garden in the cool of the day, and everything's just hunky-dory. They didn't have to work. It was just a beautiful place. But the devil was there. And I can tell you this, that God has allowed you to live in this beautiful life that you're living, and at the same time, the devil is here. Amen? His calling is on our life to live a godly life. But the devil is here. As beautiful as this church service is today and the worship of God that's here, the enemy comes in to divide, to cause bickering and complaining and, and disruptions. He's always there. So as the devil comes up to Adam and Eve, he tells them, take of this fruit. Because when you eat of this fruit, God don't want you to do that because you'll become like him. They was already like God. He made them in his image. The enemy tricked them into believing they was something that they was not. That's the same thing he does to us. Amen? Whether we're a 13-year-old sitting in here or we're 80-year-old sitting in here, the enemy is cunning. He deceives us. The Bible says he deceives the brethren. He would deceive the very elect if it would be possible. So as we're sitting here today, know this, that you were created in the image of God. He has a place and a calling, a perfection in your life. And he's calling you to live outside the boundaries of what your normalcy is, of what you want to do. And he's calling you to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that he asked or think. I mean, he, will, he will give you empowerment to go and do things that you didn't think possible. But the devil will be whispering in your ear, you can't do that. You can't stand up. You can't say anything. They know your life. The enemy only has one place in, that he's allowed in your life, according to Scripture, under your feet. Is anybody in here happy about that? He don't deserve to live in here. He don't deserve to live in here. He don't deserve to live right here. He deserves to live under my feet. Amen? So where do you place the enemy today, the enemy of your soul, the one that's trying to conquer you and deceive you and cause you to spend eternity in hell with him? Tell him, say, get under my feet. That's your place. Take your spot, devil, because I'm called by God to do specific things, and I'm going to walk in that calling whether you like it or not. My friends, my neighbors, my family, my community, they will all experience God. Why? Because he's calling me to go do something for his kingdom. So this king in the story that Jesus is talking about, he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. God has already prepared a table before you. He's already set the banquet table. It's there. The bulls and the fighted calf have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guest he had invited ignored them and went on their own way. One to his farm, Earl. Earl bought a farm. 
Well, Amy wanted the farm because, of, oh, it's the place where we got married and where we just first lived, and it's just so beautiful and just so glorious. And, but back then, they was 18, 19 years old and kids and goobers. Amen. Rick can tell stories about Earl. Right? <laughs> Kenny, you, you want him to get up here and explain some stories, Earl, about what Earl <laughs> used to be when he was young? And uh, No, probably not, right? Back then, you didn't farm all that much, Amy. You're just driving in and out of the driveway. <laughs> so now in her 40s, you know, going back, 30s, 40s, they're going back and saying, wow, let's go buy it. It's, it's just a, such a place. I want to go back and live, and now it's work. Amen. I love seeing her pictures, though, and her posts about how beautiful that place is. These people went back to their farm. Another two is business. Brittany and Eric, everybody that don't know, you need to know, they're getting ready to take over Chiggers. Everybody just say a good glory to God for Chiggers, amen. God calls us to be in business. I thank God for business-minded people. I thank God for Christians and Christian-owned businesses, amen. And we need to pray over their businesses. I want to speak blessings over Chiggers, as Eric and Brittany. And she talked to us a few weeks ago, and she told us about how that she worked there as a teenager. And she has always desired and had a dream to someday run it herself. The Bible says he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. And in the desires of her heart, God gave her that blessing. So now, on her opening day, as she goes, that she said and called Leslie a day or two ago and said, you know, as we open up on opening day, I want to give a percentage of everything that's sold on opening day back to the Bridge Church to support missionaries. We're getting ready to have a missions conference in a week or two. So everybody that can, go down there and buy two-footers, even if you're going to eat one. Amen. Put it in the freezer, eat it later, it'll be okay. Get you a big tea. What's the most expensive thing on the menu? Let's, let's, let's promote that, right? If percentage is coming back. But think about that. Brittany and Eric has been with us here at the church at the bridge for a long time. It's been years. When they originally came, they experienced God and just I just I love watching them come in and tears rolling down their face and them to experience God in a real and tangible way. One time they come up and they said, you know, we're being called and we're going, we're going out west for a while and we're going out to California and God's called us to go to this job and we, we just hate to leave the church and we, we don't look forward to not being able to see our family and it was a, a, a painful transition to watch. And I remember praying over them as they left and they took off on those plane rides to get out there. But there are seasons in this life, are they not? But as they were out there in the midst of those things, in California, God was transitioning them and causing them to live a life in the center of His will. Sometimes it's even a place we don't want to live. But here they are, back in business. So as Jesus is telling this parable, He's telling people, don't allow your farm to consume your Christian walk. Don't allow your business to consume your Christian walk. Christ is first and foremost. 
And if you put him first, how many believes he'll bless you? Amen? If you put him first, just expect the blessings to come. Even when it don't seem like it, even when you can't hear it, even when it don't look like it, even when all hope is lost and it seems like there's no way out of this and it seems like it's going to fail, it's going to crumble, guess what? God will come through. He is always on time. He is never coming at the wrong moment. That's Mary and Martha's fault. Whenever they seen their brother Lazarus dead, you've waited too long, Jesus, to get here. He said, you don't know the power of God. I'm not late. You gave up too soon. So whatever people in this room are sitting here thinking today, don't give up too early. Don't say it's too late and God can't allow me to walk through this calling. He can't allow me to experience this thing because the day was yesterday. He's calling you today. And the Bible says that his gifts and his callings are without repentance. That means he's not taking it back. If he called you to be in business, even though it was years ago and it seems like it was never going to happen, just stand still and see the salvation of God. See his provision come through. Pastor Josh Sargent, my youth pastor, when I first got in church, I loved going and listening to Pastor Josh Sargent. He's pastoring down in Louisville now, a great church, a great minister. He helped me so much in when I began in ministry. Pastor Josh said all the time, where God gives the vision, he will give the provision. Where God gives the vision, he will give the provision. Because sometimes where we receive a dream from God, it seems impossible to us. Amen? It seems like that's not even, a, how could that ever be? But the Bible says he owns a cattle on a thousand hillsides. How many knows cattle's expensive? Now, I'm sure the market goes up and down and all that, but if you own cattle, you know they're pretty costly. If you don't believe me, ask a farmer that's got some because if, if they lose one, they've lost a lot. Don't allow your business or your farm or your life get in the way of what God's calling you to come to the feast. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. So some of these, as this king sent out and told people to come to the banquet of my son, the marriage feast, come, sit at this table. It's a place that I'm inviting you. They didn't want to go. He sends them out again to tell them, come. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I'm imploring you to come. And this time they got mad because he sent them back and they killed some of the messengers that God sent. Verse 7, the king was furious and he sent out an army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to the servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of honor. Now go out into the street corners and invite everyone you see. See, used to the story was specific to who was invited. Now he says, everybody's invited. Kind of sounds like the Old Testament. Jews, you're born into this thing, this religion that you're in. But now, this is what this story is Jesus is telling, this parable that Jesus is telling. Jews, you've murdered my prophets that I have sent you. And now I'm going to invite everybody to come. And I thank God for this story because guess why? Because I'm a Gentile. I'm grafted in to the family of God. 
If Jesus had not come, Gentiles, we would be left outside of the family of God. But because of Jesus, you and I are sitting in this place today. And if we're not of the Jewish faith or Jewish uh, uh, lineage, we was outside the family. But now God has called everybody, everyone. So the service brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. I'm thankful that you guys invite people to come to church. I'm thankful that you guys reach out to your, the influence that you have and you ask people to come to church with you. It's a beautiful thing. Verse 11, but when the king had come in to meet the guest, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing a proper clothes for the wedding. I'm glad this is a church that we don't have to worry what everybody wears. Amen? We can come in as we are. It's a place where people can come and feel invited that they don't say you have to meet a certain criteria in how you're dressed. But whenever we get to heaven someday, the feast and the marriage supper of the Lamb, there's going to be clothes requirements. The Bible says that clothes is the clothes of righteousness. Those righteous garments that we will put on will make us whiter than snow. And it's going to be a beautiful place. So I don't worry about all that much about what you wear when you come here other than wear something. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, Amen. I'm glad you got something on today. Verse 12, friend, he asked, how is it that you're here without wearing wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be able to back talk God. Amen. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hand and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Right now, we are being called by God in this place. Many are called, but few are chosen. And there's people that misquotes that text and that scripture to say that sure, he's calling everybody, but he's only chosen a few or predestined a few to get to go to heaven. And they try to say that to say you're not worthy of going there. And God's called everybody else but you. I don't believe that's true. So to contextualize this story, many are called but few are chosen. What does that mean if you read this story that we just read? God calls everybody. He sent out his servants into the streets, the highways and byways, and compelled them to come, it says. Nobody is off limits. Nobody is too far gone from God. Nobody sitting here today or watching online today or listening to the podcast a year from now. You have not waited too long. If you're breathing air, God is calling you, come home, come home, come home. Many are called right now. We're being called in this life. But Rick, whenever we get a crossover into glory someday and we cross that Chili Jordan. 
we spend eternity in heaven with God forever, we're going to be chosen there. We're called now. When we're there, we're chosen. God is calling in this place today. Won't you stand with me if you will? we're saying today in this place, maybe you're hitting that text message and you're just saying you're going to message him back and say, you know what God, I'm going to go out and live another week out in this world and I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm, I know you're calling me right now, I know you're drawing me right now I know your spirit is wooing me right now I'm just not ready and you communicate that with him by just hitting that button and say not yet I implore you today, don't wait another day. Give it all to Him in this place. Surrender everything you have. And it's very simple, I believe. The answer that you need to make to God as He's calling right now is just say, yes, God. Nobody looking around, everybody just bow your head, close your eyes if you will. Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing or what those around you are doing. I believe that God in this place right now is, is sending His Holy Spirit and He's knocking on your heart's door and He's asking you. He's calling you in this moment. begging with you. He's pleading with you. Come home. Maybe you've known him before. Maybe you've given your life to him before. But you've walked away and done it your way. And you can sense right now he's telling you to come home. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're truly saved. But does the old song say drifting too far from the shore and today you can sense that the lighthouse is there and he's begging you come back close to me come back to your first love it says in revelations no looking around is there anybody here today that's saying I can feel God calling me whether it's come closer or come back home or come to him for the first time. I just want you to raise your hand. Let me know. I'll pray for you. Amen. Hands everywhere in here. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. Father, I thank you for drawing your people unto you. God, help us as the bridge be a, a church that is family-oriented, that's community-oriented, that's place where we don't set our lives above others but Lord we love our neighbor as ourselves. 
And God, as you're calling people in this room, some of them you're calling to stay still. You're calling some of us to go and do other adventures, to move and experience life in a new way. Your callings are without repentance, oh God, and I know that you're drawing people in this room. And as they say, yes, God, in this moment, God, I pray that you wreck our lives. That we would be radically transformed by the renewing of our mind, oh God. And renew a right spirit within us, oh God. That we would chase after you with all of our being. That our neighbors, that our family, that our friends, that our community would see this week what has changed with you. That our co-workers would say, wow, you're acting different this week than you did last week. Let this be a transitional moment in the spiritual realm that we would accept the call, God. That we wouldn't put you off and just text you and say, I'm too busy right now. There's a reason I can't accept this call. But we're accepting it, God. That we're just saying, yes, God. you to worship him just for a moment here and I know I know it's getting later and I know I'm out of time Leslie sing that louder this business to you, oh God, to offer my life to you, God, to offer my family to you, God. What are you offering him in this place today that you're laying down our lives? He's asking you right now, lay it down, lay it at my feet and see if you surrender, if I will not bless what you're trying to hold on to. Offer him your job in this moment that you're under you don't know what to do and it seems like a moment and you don't understand offer it to him there's people in this room you have dreams you have visions that he's given you he's calling you and lay it at his feet and say God I offer it to you
some young people in this room today. There's some, some middle school and high school kids are in this room. Some college age kids. I just feel I just feel that God is asking you to give him your best years. say, God, I'll get back with you later. Surrender your future to Him in this moment. You hear me, young people? Dustin, Albie, if you'll come up here. I know it's later, but I just sense that we got to move right now because God is stirring the water. accepted Christ in my life. I went to church with Aunt Mary one time to a revival to Church of God in town and I gave my life to Jesus in an altar and I knew that he moved in my life and I experienced that and, and I walked away from him and went on and lived life my way. But when I did end up 23 years old, walking back into a church and surrendering my life to Jesus. It was a church, a bigger church, and it was a church about 400 people up at Bracelet. And I've told that story so many times about when I knelt at the altar that Pastor Wells told teenagers to come and pray with me. And I accepted Jesus into my life, and I didn't even know the words to say, but there were some teenagers there 
that led me through the sinner's prayer at an altar. And one of those teenagers became one of my closest friends in life. And he asked me, he said, won't you come Wednesday night and come over to the youth service in the gym? And I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll go. He invited me and I went. And I'll tell you right now that I was radically strengthened, encouraged, refreshed, renewed, and all of that in a youth group, in a gymnasium. And there's about 70 kids showed up there every Wednesday night. church because they'd chased me down they may be come to Bible studies and they'd look over at me for answers and I, I just got in church and they'd been in for a long time youth group is important Student ministry is important. Our nursery program is over and running. They do an awesome job. The teachers, the children's church, and the youth group as they meet. And Jerry, if you come up here too, come on, come up, up here. here by yourself because I wanted you to have somebody with you because I know what it's like to feel alone and you're not alone you got some of the best youth pastors on the planet I assure you you know it but Dusty I just want you to talk for a second you guys be seated let's, let's just take a minute it's, the food won't get cold at the restaurant it's going to be okay We'll get out of here in just a minute. We got till twelve thirty to get out, according to our lease. But that's if you just take a minute to say a few words about what you have witnessed in Jericho's life, you and Albie, and speak as freely as you wish, so that they can hear this story. And just do whatever you want to do. So. With Jerrica, long story, <laughs> but we'll make it a little bit shorter. But Jerrica came to us when she was real little. She was in children's church, um, would come and uh, was a little knucklehead and um, was super excited to get into the student ministry and the youth group and then ended up moving and uh, went back home for a little while and um, had a tough time there and God brought her back to us here at the bridge and um, she I'll never forget that first service she came back it was a special special time for me just to be able to see her again 
but just to see who she, how she had grown, and and just immediately right off the rip was like, I want to be a part of this. I want to do whatever you guys want me to do. I want to do whatever. And that's full surrender, like Ben is talking about. When you say I'm willing to do whatever, God use me, take me. I'll do what you need. Like that's when you know that you can use a person or a vessel for the betterment of the kingdom and for the church and for God. And so she comes and she begins to worship and openly worship and she still has problems just like everybody else. She still struggles just like everybody else. And she's not perfect and she'll be the first to tell you. And neither am I, by the way. And neither is Albie. Spoiler alert. Didn't know if you guys knew that. She thinks she is, but she's not. But it's been so awesome to see Jerrica grow and flourish and to see how far she's come and to see all the things that she's gone through in her life. But she's still pushing towards the mark. She's still reaching out towards Jesus. She's still saying, I'm here. I'm willing to do whatever. I'll serve. I'll be here. I'll do what you need me to do. Even through her situations in life, even through all the bad things that's happened to her, she's still willing to push towards Jesus. And that's encouraging to me. Especially when you see a teenager going through these things. So it's been a lot of fun being Jerrica's student pastor. I've had a great time with it. She's loud and obnoxious. And uh, she's moody. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And we love her to death. And we wouldn't change her for the world. But um, so, Albie, do you have anything you want to add? She says no because she'll cry. But what I'd like to have you do, Jerrica, if you don't mind, is if you just have a, a closing prayer for us. Would you do that for us? All right. So here she is. thank you for this amazing service and these amazing people here, for our amazing pastors, for the amazing youth pastors and the children group. They, they help us and they, wanted, they want the kids to lean more towards God. They want to help us and they want us to be amazing. And I thank you for allowing us to be here freely and to worship you freely just allowing us to express our feelings and not have to be here and feel like we're going to be judged and that people can understand and worship along with us. Father, I, I thank you for just allowing us to come together and be a family and to worship you together. We thank you and we love you. We 